me your ears. <laughs> this nation will rise up. Welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. Guys, welcome back to the Elemental Health Podcast. I'm Nick Quinton, your host. Um, it's great to be back on with you guys uh, today, and I hope that you very much enjoy this session. So um, we have got Jamie Webb uh, with us today, and it's really exciting to have this conversation with him. Um, and it's it's really interesting that the the... the, the the evolution of the conversation and where we go with it. So we start off talking about kind of his story and his background and how he got into um, sports therapy and, and, and soft tissue work and, and how that really was the door that opened into the whole world of, of health and, and wellness and, and well-being for him and his journey through that. And I think that the key takeaways, that the bits that we go really in depth into that, that sort of blew my mind and, and made me sort of rethink how I... Uh, think about different things is, is how deep we go on stress and how stress affects the body and how stress manifests manifests within the physical body because we, we always talk about stress as, as being a killer and, and no doubt my, my time um, in clinical practice has taught me that absolutely stress is, is the biggest killer out there in in, in today's western society um, it's it's a, you know that's that chronic stress that takes its toll on all our organs um, but uh, it's really interesting to hear Jamie's um, view because obviously he's day in day out um, treating people um, hands on and, and and just how that manifests within the body and that's I find that really fascinating that you know work different 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 stresses manifest with different people in, in different areas of the body and that can be physically felt when when you know it's been manually manipulated by someone like Jenny someone really experienced who knows what they're doing they can really delve into that and and the connection with the mind and the body um, and, and, and how he, he, he's able to evoke these really emotional experiences guys it's an awesome episode um, I really hope you enjoy it without further ado please welcome Jamie Webb Jamie Webb welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast I'm, uh, the audience has heard a little bit about you on the, on the kind of the intro that I put okay. put in beforehand. Yeah, um, so, but but uh, I want to dive a bit more into into your background and your journey and your story and understand um, how you're helping people now. Yeah, and sure. then I'm sure the conversation will unfold and we'll dive into some areas mm-hmm. um, to to really give like, give people a feel of, of, of your area of expertise and, and and how they can apply that to their own life. I yeah, think sure. that, that's important uh, as well. Cool. So so Jamie. Um, Help us to understand how you found yourself kind of a very experienced physical therapist mm-hmm. and, and kind of exploring lots of new ways, which we'll get into. How do, how do you get into this? And uh, I, firstly, I did a, a degree in IT. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So that's, that's, <laughs> how, that's how it all started. Um, I, as most people do in their life, kind of meander their way through it as a mm. teenager, not really knowing or having a clue what they want to do with their life. And I just... Uh, didn't really, well, I guess, guess followed my nose into something I was good at. It happened to be, you know, computer programming at the time. Um, did, a, did an IT degree um, and uh, found myself in an IT job in Swindon and uh, found myself quite depressed, uh, quite honestly, as, uh, as many people do with IT <laughs> jobs in Swindon. Yeah. And um, so in, in order to, I guess, cope with that, um, didn't, I knew my life wasn't on the path that I wanted it to be on, but I didn't know what I actually wanted it to mm. be on, you know, uh, a quarter-life crisis, as, as I like to call it yeah. at the time. I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, funny, it's funny, I, I, did, I also did a, an IT degree, yeah. uh, uh, along with sort of map-making, cartography space, but... Mm. Um, 
and found myself in IT not not loving it, not yeah. finding a passion for it, yeah. which was really yeah. difficult for me actually. Yeah, I think it, you know when I was there, I, I was okay at it. It wasn't great at it. The money was good. Um, social life in Sweden was actually pretty good at the time. Um, but yeah, you, you know, I was the guys I was working with. They go home and they'd sit in front of a you know an IT textbook in the evening and play on their computers, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not really. <laughs> not really my bag so yeah to help me cope you know um, with the emotions I was struggling with at the time I, I was I've always been very sporty and um, always heavily exercise based um, swimming is my main thing uh, competitive swimmer uh, only just really well I've hung up my trunks a few times but hung them up again recently with the arrival of my second uh, mm -hmm. second daughter um, and uh, yeah, so I started doing football as well and squash and training in the gym, do some weight training and running as well. Uh, and I worked out, I think I was doing an excess of 20 hours a week exercise as well as a, a night, well, theoretically nine to five, sometimes nine to six, sometimes nine yeah. to seven uh, IT job. You know, I was exercising in my lunchtime, exercising in the evenings. You know, I just needed that endorphin hit, you know, to, to keep me going. I, I now know. Uh, obviously, I didn't realize that at the time. Um, and then unsurprisingly my uh, my body started breaking um, you know even at the the age of 25 you know when you do that kind of level of exercise particularly uh, you know psychologically not being particularly happy as well I think that's important to, to note as well I know that now yeah didn't know that back then um, and uh, just went for some physio for a few things uh, first bits of physio because it was covered on my work insurance at the time it was the old-fashioned ultrasound electrotherapy and I just I thought well, this is rubbish doesn't doesn't really do anything um, but it was all free so I turned up like a good boy you know tried to do the exercises didn't really make much difference to my condition um, and then maybe a couple of years after that again next injury along was a knee problem and a very inspirational physiotherapist uh, came along and uh, told me that my knee problem was because of my my glutes and uh, at that point my, my eyes just kind of lit up I went, well that sounds interesting, mm -hmm. and uh, he didn't he didn't really kind of explain it in any more detail, but it just kind of sparked a flame, um, and that flame is still kind of burning very brightly uh, to this day. So um, from there, that kind of just planted the seed, as I say, and uh, I knew I then had an idea that that's what I wanted to do, um, but I didn't really have the bottle to do it at the time, if truth be told. Um, there were some redundancies going around in the uh, company I was working for in Swindon and um, they were asking for volunteers and I was like, oh, shall I do it, shall I not do it? And, and I didn't do it in the end, um, but thankfully I got kicked out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Moves in mysterious ways. Yeah, yeah. So it was a really interesting time. Like I desperately wanted to get out of there. But actually when I was booted out, it certainly was a hit to the ego, um, that's for sure. Um, but uh, it, it really, yeah, like I say, gave me a kick up the backside that, that I needed. Mm. Um, so I had a payoff. It wasn't a massive payoff, but it was it was enough to pay for uh, a year-long course for a, a diploma in sports therapy. Mm. Um, so I, uh, I I signed the check and put it in the post. This is how long ago it was. <laughs> check. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, put the check in the post and uh, I just put it, plopped it in because that was kind of like a life-changing moment at that point. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought, have I done the right thing there? Paused by the letterbox for about five seconds. Go, yeah, yeah, I have. 
So it's kind of like a nice you know, reaffirming moment there where I just pause think, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and that, that, was, that, was, that was the start, really. So um, that was in 2003. So my diploma was a year-long full-time um, in, down in Dorking. I was commuting from Swindon to my friend who was very kindly uh, put me up uh, in Morden on the end of London. And then I was commuting uh, from Morden to Dorking. And um, I just absolutely loved it. it awesome. I, I can. It was probably one of the happiest years of my life. I can honestly say that. Um, just met like-minded people, uh, many of whom I'm still in touch with. And uh, yeah, just you just loved go, getting up in the morning. Loved going in. Loved studying. Loved the struggle of not you know not knowing things and, and learning a new subject. Cool. Um, but you, you come out of that, you know, a year-long diploma, and, and I, you, you sign up for these qualifications. I'm sure you've done the same, Nick. Is you, you think, oh, I'll, I'll sign up for this qualification. I come to the end of it, I'll know everything I could possibly need to know about that, that subject. And then I came out, qualified, and I go, right, yeah. <laughs> so I haven't really scratched the surface That's there, it, have I? yeah. So then, uh, you know, finance meant I, I needed to um, set up pretty much straight away, you know, my money was starting to run out, that's a good motivator, I find. <laughs> um, so I just set out, uh, set up like a, I called it Swindon Sports Therapy, which is uh, still still going, I'm very proud of that. Um, and effectively, I was just, it's like a, just doing sports massage really, because that's what I knew, that was what I'd been taught to do. Um, but I just started to delve deeper, I was always inquisitive, you know, hugely inquisitive. And... Um, I was, I was lucky in a way, I guess, in that um, I was always um, very popular in our massage lessons for, to, to work with. I just seemed to have this um, ability to, to find things, you know, the knots in muscles, I guess, as, as it was yeah. at that time. Um, and, and, and I took that into my, you know, my, my newfound private practice that I just set up. And, uh, yeah, feedback was, was really encouraging, really positive. And uh, I, I started seeing people and said, oh, yeah, we've been to see orthopedic surgeons, we've been to doctors, we've been to this, we've been to that, and they've not, you know, they've not been able to help, and you've started to help. And I'm like, this is, wow, that, that's lovely, yeah. you know, in the first couple of years of, of practice. But, so it's kind of what I needed at the time, to mm. a bit of external validation. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, 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 you know, that, that was all really lovely. Um, lots of lovely clients lots of challenging clients as well you know you don't really know how to deal it's all very nice when it's going well um, with more challenging clients who maybe challenge you a little bit more um, that was a struggle a struggle to, certainly I've always been kind of uh, averse to conflict um, but you know you, you find a way you just kind of the more you are the more you sit with yourself and be comfortable and say well I kind of know what I know or at least I believe in what I think I know uh, more realistically um, and then kind of listen to what the, what the person's saying and what, what do they need. Um, again, I didn't quite realise I was doing that at the time, um, but it, it's a case of I've always kind of respected what I do know and respected what I don't know. Um, so in those, those kind of initial sort of year, 18 months, I had uh, you know, drip clients kind of steadily building up. And uh, my idea was to just invest that time outside of that, obviously firstly building the business, but um, my priority was always to work on myself. Yep. Uh, to make myself the best therapist, I was kind of 
taking the uh, clients on board, I'd speak to them on the phone before they came in, get a flavour of their condition, so I get get my head in the textbooks um, and try and understand uh, more more of what was going on. And um, I did, but I just felt there was there was still something missing. Um, you know, I was just doing basically sports massage yep. at the time, which again you can is is a fantastic discipline. And you know, I still still pull it out of the bag every now and then. In fact, I did some uh, some yesterday. In fact, yep. you know, so just on a little area that needed some work. And uh, I got the impression you know, talking about uh, chiropractic work and osteopathy. Um, I was uh, lucky enough to do some of my work placement with uh, an osteopath who now uh, don't know we've kind of lost touch. But last I heard, he was working with the England football team. Uh, you know, he's best mates with Frank Lampard. You know, he's kind of uh, osteopath to the celebs. You know, yep. in the football world at least. And uh, yeah, so I knew there was this whole kind of joint thing that the, the sports massage thing kind of misses out. And um, so, uh, and I thought as a sports therapist, we're not uh, qualified or insured to what we call manipulate. And that's what I, in terms of old school, what I'd call chiropractic and osteopathy, but what I call a whack and crack merchant. And most of us have had a, you know, a little bit of experience of that is yeah. where they, they crack the bones or so-called back into place. Yeah. It's not quite the, the truth as we understand it, but that's what it kind of feels like. And, um, and things, for the most part, normally feel great for a little bit afterwards. And I thought, okay, there's, there's, a, lot, there's a bigger scope here. And I got a, a little, uh, again, in the post, not an email, so it shows how long ago this was, um, from the uh, head of our Society of Sports Therapists, uh, Graham Smith, who was running these courses in joint mobilization, which is a, a safer form, uh, less violent, uh, a lot gentler, um, and actually, in his opinion, more effective uh, version of that manipulation that osteopaths and chiropractors are, are known for. Obviously, they do other things. Just yep. you know, I do appreciate this goes out <laughs> to the public. Yep. I'm not going to put everyone in that pigeonhole, but um, that's the reputation that's out there in the, in the general. Yeah, the old school. Yeah, the old school stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so um, yes, yeah, so that kind of opened my eyes to the. Um, Spinal, well, spinal mobilization, joint mobilization, you know, still me to this day, give me a joint, I'll mobilize it for you, you know. Nice. Um, as long as you know the theory underlying in terms of the, the plane of movement, yep. uh, then, you can, uh, then you can do a mobilization. So then I started to add that with the um, uh, kind of uh, the massage side of things. So I was using, I was trying to be really clever. So I was trying to be, uh, one of my things, uh, <laughs> over-intellectualizing things, yep. you're probably picking that up already. Um, <laughs> So I was trying to mobilize the spinal segment that made the muscle work and then massage that muscle having done the mobilization, the idea being to get the nerve signal to that muscle uh, as good as it can be yep. and then massage. And, and that, that seemed to, seemed to work, um, it had some, some benefits. Um, but then I felt, still felt there was something missing. And then I went off and did some stuff um, by a group called the Neuroorthopedic Institute um, and they are kind of uh, world leaders in pain science. Right. And um, the guys, the two main guys are uh, David Butler and Laura Mosley, and they they do a lot of uh, research into you know just what is pain exactly. Mm. Um, and so this really opened my eyes to again, I was as I mentioned previously, I was always into the psychology of situations and in uh, uh, physiotherapy, sports therapy textbooks. Um, they always talked about the psychological components of injury, but you, again, you, you, I never fully understood what that meant, or I couldn't feel what that meant. Um, 
So that has started to open my eyes a little bit further and talking about, you know, definition of pain, how it's a, I think if I remember rightly, it's been a while since I've checked this definition, but it's a, a multi-input uh, system that's basically uh, congregated in the brain. So, you know, I think uh, traditional uh, therapies uh, in, in their basic form are very much, old. Uh, you know, if I poke myself in the hand, I can feel that, and if I poke myself with a pin, that hurts. So the stimulus is very much coming into my hand. So human... Uh, nature says, if I've got pain in my hand, it must be the hand that's the problem. Mm. And I think that's how a lot of therapies have evolved. Um, certainly, um, traditional medicine. Uh, <laughs> I just merged Western and medicine <laughs> and came up with Western. Western medicine. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. quite pleased with that. Actually. I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll like use it. that. Um, so, yeah, certainly Western medicine has, has evolved that way, uh, I think. Um, yeah, what, I think what one tool for one job sort of approach, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right, you know, and um, you, get, you get hand specialists and knee specialists mm -hmm. and, and things like that. And I think where, where, if you're an orthopedic surgeon, that's absolutely valid <laughs> because you're opening those specific areas up and you need to have, you know, huge knowledge of, of those areas. Um, but I think I'm always sceptical these days of anyone who is a knee specialist in terms of physiotherapy terms right. because you're not looking at the bigger picture. You're not looking at the whole body and, and certainly not looking at the whole person and, and, and what goes on in the mind. Absolutely, it's great to have specialist knowledge in what can go wrong very physically with the knee. Yep. Um, but I think you need to you know, juxtapose that against you know, the, the bigger picture. Yep. Um, so yeah, that was all about the pain science and starting on the psychology route. Um, so then it was all about nerves as well. So I was kind of following the nerves from the, the spine all the way through the arms, the legs, um, kind of tracing them, kind of picking up tension in those nerves. Um, sometimes, you, weirdly, you can massage nerves gently, mm -hmm. um, but it just kind of frees them up a little bit. And, that, and I thought, yeah, yeah, this is, this is making sense now. I've got, kind of got from top to bottom, I've got a whole line through the whole nervous system. But there were still people that I, that I couldn't help. There were mm -hmm. still people where, it, it, and I couldn't explain that, you know, I'm like, well, this, this has worked for three people today, but it's just not working for this person. I, I, and what am I missing? What am I missing? And I happened to see a, um, an advert for some physiotherapy uh, course uh, by a guy called Douglas Heal. And uh, Doug's, uh, I, I know him very well now. He's uh, can only be described as a maverick, uh, a, a showman. Yep. Uh, hugely intelligent, hugely well read. Um, certainly knows his own mind and doesn't mind speaking it. And um, he, I mean, we're going to get technical. So we talk about hip flexors. The, the, the test that I saw was a, a before and after test on hip flexor. And they did the test, and this person was very weak as he tested it. And they obviously didn't show you the technique, but they then did show you the test after. Goes ta-da, and it was you know a hundred times stronger. Right. And that kind of got my interest, obviously. Yep. I'm like, well, that's clever, um, because again, hip flexor is huge, as you probably know, Nick. You know, it's a hugely important muscle. It lifts our leg up. Quite yep. important for just walking, yep. running, all of these things. Um. So, I was, uh, and previously I'd. You know, sometimes I've done the spinal mobilization to get them, the, the muscle working on a nerve basis. Um, and sometimes that worked when you retest. And then sometimes I do that and it didn't work. And then I do a massage of the, the muscle uh, as best you can with SOS because it's a very, very deep muscle. Um, and sometimes that would work, but then sometimes it wouldn't. I'm like, well, why has that worked previously and, and not this time? I, you know, there's something I'm missing here. And the, the crux of, uh, or that technique that Doug demonstrated, but his thing was much wider. 
um, was the connection of the, um, the hip flexor, the psoas, into the diaphragm and, and then beyond. Mm -hmm. So I kind of went on that weekend long course, you know, looking for a, a new technique and I came out of that course with a whole new approach. Ah, okay. Um, so his base premise is that the human body is trying to do two things. Um, breathe and run away from stuff. And if you can't do either of those, you're not going to last very long. Mm -hmm. So from there, it's about if that mechanism in terms of breathing and or being able to lift your leg up, effectively running away from stuff, isn't firing properly, your body will always find a way. Right. It will always find a way to do it. And those ways, from a lay perspective, we just address as compensations. Yep. They're compensations. And his view is that all compensations through the body stem from that. Um, and this is where it starts getting emotional again. So this is where I really started getting into the emotional side of things. So in my work previously, um, you might get the occasional person uh, breaking down in tears. Um, when you work physically on the body, I think that's an inevitability. Um, when people, I think now I can honestly say, you know, when people open up physically, there will be an emotional opening up. Yeah. That was very, very infrequent in, in I'd say, the first half of uh, you know, my sports therapy career. In the second half, that's increasingly frequent. Um, just because there are certain muscles within the body that mean certain things. Okay. So if you consider the hip flexors, uh, as we all know, to lift the leg up, if we consider them, their action from a different angle, they pull the torso downwards. And as soon as I, this doesn't work on radio or podcasts, <laughs> as soon as I close my body off, um, uh, to the world, I adopt a certain posture. Mm -hmm. Immediately, I start looking more nervous and more anxious, and I immediately look like I'm trying to cover my internal organs up. Yeah. So when we release these muscles up, and the diaphragm involved in breathing is one of these muscles, indirectly, I'll say, because the diaphragm is very, very deep. But when we start to open this up, what can happen is we can open up the emotions as well. And as soon as I started getting into this work, it was kind of like opening the floodgates in terms of emotion. Incredible. So, yeah, so yeah. Powerful, powerful it, stuff. It, it, it really you, is. You come from the physical and, yeah. and kind of entered the whole mm. emotional psyche. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Unlocked yeah. it. Uh, opening a, a very, very large can of worms, mm. uh, I would say. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed making people cry. Yeah. Uh, I, can, I can honestly <laughs> say that. And, and what I mean by that is that I think the word privilege is overused. Um, at the moment, uh, you know, but it, it's, it, it is a real honour to, for people to, to get to a point where people are comfortable uh, enough with you, um, and it's all permission based. Mm -hmm. So if we unearth an area that is, um, if I start to see the tears coming, and uh, y you have to recognise that first, because some people will just say, Jamie, that's enough, I've had enough, mm -hmm. and, and that's not a problem at all. But some people don't know. So you have to, this is one of the you know, more advanced things of yep. being a therapist, you have to read that before it happens kind of thing. So if, if ever you feel someone's kind of going down that path, it's very much permission-based. So it's kind of, okay, um, I think you're getting a bit emotional there. And more often than not, I say, oh yeah, yeah, I am. I say, you're okay with it? You're, you're, do you want me to stop or you're okay for me to carry on? No, no, no carry on, you know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the you know, vast majority, we're talking 99% of people, particularly when it's permission-based, 
you know, when the emotion comes out, it's a huge physical and emotional release. So, you know, uh, there are there are people out there. There's theories that say actually, if you have that um, physical release, it can actually be more effective than you know uh, tens of sessions of um, psychotherapy, right. for example. Yeah. Um, I would never say that's exclusively the case, and I'd say you know in the last 16 years. Um, obviously certainly more in the second half of my career I would actually say the emotional stuff comes out better with the people who've already done the hard work emotionally okay so the way I, a nice easy way I like to put that is our work particularly in the emotional work that we do uh, on a physical level um, is great at catching your body up to where your head is at right so if you've made progress emotionally, say for example, I mean death is a, is a good, nice cheery one to start with, yep. um, but you know, people die, it's a fact of life. Um, so say um, some, you, know, you, know, you lost someone five years ago, okay? You'd have been, you know, um, horrible uh, trauma, tra trauma there uh, held within you. You'd have processed that grief over time. It takes time, it takes a long time. It's always gonna be with you to a, you know, to a degree. Um, but if, you know, say we were five years down the line and you'd grieved well, and that's a concept that, you know, it's only relatively new to me, the grieving well. But if you'd grieved well when we, uh, you know, life's moved on, you know, you've, you've made peace with the person that you've lost, um, you know, we, we let go of that physical, you know, that closing down, and all of a sudden you feel a lot freer off the back of just the physical work that we've done. If, say, for example, the flip side is that you haven't grieved well, and you've buried those emotions and you haven't dealt with them, you've just distracted yourself from them. Like, you know, classic one in this day and age is keeping busy. Mm -hmm. uh, favorite one in, in, in Brighton is uh, drinking or taking drugs. Uh, the home of hedonism, as I like to call Brighton. <laughs> um, you know, if you haven't and you've distracted yourself with whatever your distraction is, food's another one, going on holiday all the time, traveling, um, seeking all these exciting experiences, uh, adrenaline is another one. Um, but if you haven't sat with those emotions and, and dealt with them, you're still at the same place you were when you lost that person in, in this example. Mm -hmm. um, so in those instances, uh, you know, five years down the line, we start to do the physical work, but we're not going to get the same release. So uh, we, we've gone very advanced very quickly. I've yeah, jumped yeah. out about eight years of my career here. But um, in those instances, what does my role become is, 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 my, is my question. And my role I see is to help that person physically as much as, as we can, um, alleviate their symptoms as best we can, open their eyes to the idea that what they're feeling physically uh, could have an emotive source, um, discuss that with them as much as they are comfortable with, um, and then see what we think is the most appropriate way forward for them in discussion. Um, we, um, my first port of call uh, in this would be to, if it's something, again, we, we talked about death, uh, that was a very extreme example. If it's just, oh, you know, something's not right at work or I don't feel great, we kind of use our experience to nudge people in the right direction. Oh, have you tried reading this book, you know, this self-help book, or have you tried this, or here's some advice, here's some breathing exercises to help with, um, you know, relaxation levels, get people on meditation, which, you know, is a bit buzzy at the moment, I know, but it's there for a reason, it works. Um, and see if we can nudge people in the right direction. Um, my next port call is 
um, our good friend Alexander, who, which is uh, how we met. Yep. Uh, he's a, an exceptional life coach, and um, he uh, he calls this stuff deep coaching. So <laughs> it's it's um, uh, addressing the I'd say. Psycho if you're the kind of person that always thought, well, maybe I need some psychotherapy or maybe I need counselling, but actually, I don't sure my stuff is that serious enough, but I kind of need some help. Alexander's your man for yep. that. Then you get stuff where there is an underlying issues. It's kind of, you know, on the edge of uh, some kind of condition. I mean, we can all be depressed and we can all be, you know, um, an anxious and all those kind of things. But I think when you get stuck in those states... Um, and then those states escalate and, and move on to more serious conditions. I think that's when psychotherapy and, and counselling uh, come in. Um, and that's my next uh, referral option from an emotional perspective. Um, and, and, and then finally, um, th thankfully I have a, a good friend who's a psychiatrist as well, a very, very well-known uh, local psychiatrist. And I had my first ever um, referral the other week uh, to him. Uh, he normally refers people to me when they're on their way back down in terms of getting better emotionally and then we, we help them deal with their physical to then move them on to the next level emotionally as to, well. To unlock, further unlock. That's right, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And, and, and they're always lovely, lovely people uh, to, to work with because they're, they're very grateful for where they've got to, um, but equally they want to kind of progress further. Uh, emotionally yeah. and, and, and physically. They're on a, they're on a positive journey. Yeah, aren't yeah, they? They're absolutely, really absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was the first I saw a lovely lady who um, I won't go into detail, but yes, she was having problems, and she it was the right thing to do, um, and uh, I'm really pleased that I did because um, yes, the medication is really helping, and as a result of that, I'm now able, now able to focus a little bit more on the physical things and help her with the physical, which then means she can be more active, which helps her with the emotional side, and then we then progress yes. on to the next thing. So, so many questions popping into my head. <laughs> um, Fascinating. So we're effectively saying, to kind of recap, we're effectively saying that just through kind of muscle manipulation, joint manipulation, you're 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 releasing emotional stress, which yeah, absolutely sounds kind of um, sounds quite groundbreaking. I mm. mean, it makes sense to me. Yeah, um, yeah. Know, coming from a clinical background and, and and you know a fitness background and, and, and coaching as well, and, and it's all linked. There isn't yeah. a, there isn't yeah. a, a knee problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there is a you've got a problem, you've got an imbalance within your body that you need to rectify, but everything's involved. You know that, yeah. And that mind, um, heart, and body connection is is absolutely connected, yeah. isn't it? I've got a really nice example actually from a lovely uh, gentleman I I saw yesterday. I think it was our fourth session together, and uh, he's had this. He's not been able to straighten his knee for about um, two or three years, I think. Um, and uh, he's a big lad. He's an ex rugby player. And um, uh, first session, we analysed things and actually traced it back to it's, a, um, it's pain on the outside of his knee. I won't go into technical details, it doesn't really help over on the podcast, yep. but uh, outside of his knee. And I traced it back to uh, an ankle injury that he had from playing rugby when he was 17. And he's now, I think he said he was uh, 48, uh, something like that. Wow. Yeah, so uh, we chatted and, and he was very open during the session and with, with um, during the sessions kind of emotionally it's about judging the, what people are comfortable with opening up of course. to, you know, um, I ask questions and I say you don't have to answer or, or they just tell me stuff. A lot of people download straight away, yeah. <laughs> that's the flip side. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some people don't want to download um, and that's okay too. Um, but what we actually find interestingly, as, as we open with the work physically, people actually talk a lot more as, as we're doing the work. 
Um, that, that's what I was thinking. I mean, look, uh, because, you know, my, my whole um, kind of the, the, way, the way that I coach and, and the way that, that I approach things is, is get people moving, get people doing yeah, things yeah, yeah, and then sure. have those conversations and start to break down the barriers because I think we're, we're so conditioned to a very poor way to learn or communicate. We sit down across a table and, mm-hmm. you know, tell me what the problems are. It's very, it feels very artificial. So I can, I can only imagine yeah. that's the whole next level, isn't it? You're, you're physically touching someone. Yeah, that's right. You're manipulating their muscles. You're causing yeah. them release and pain kind of at the same time pleasure pain yeah yeah and yeah. then you're having a, a, a much deeper conversation i can only imagine it kind of it quite it opens very quickly it's, it's yeah it's yeah. probably a very powerful way to communicate and i think trust is important yeah. as well and and some people i think are naturally more trusting than others i think everything that's gone before in our lives affects our ability to trust people straight away um and yeah so it, it but it's a, it's a how quickly that relationship develops and i find the easiest way to engender people's trust is to um, show about my physical knowledge or show off if you like yep. you know, because they've come in with a physical problem mm-hmm. and if I can it's not showing off at all it's just kind of trying to uh, just show people that you know your stuff and that they've come to the right place and, 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 and that you can engender that trust um, some people are open to the uh, emotional side you know, even before we've started, started treatment um, one lady downloaded on me with all of her physical conditions. It took about 20 minutes of, without breathing and, and no pause, no, no full stops or no commas. <laughs> and then she said, and do you want the emotional stuff as well? I said, no, no, I'm, I'm all right for a moment. I'm just going to have a breather and, and <laughs> we can talk about the emotional stuff, uh, you know, whilst I get my hands on it uh, and, um, and get started. But to get back to the, the gentleman um, with, the, with the knee problem, the, and, and this is the, the fascination that I love about uh, everything that I'm learning uh, and continue to learn, mm-hmm. is that he, um, uh, he, he you know, he, we had a good first session, he saw some improvement, his face lit up, um, you know, he walked out much more comfortable than, than, he, than he came back in. Second session, um, we did uh, probably about a week, 10 days later. Uh, in fact, it was the, the <laughs> it was the, um, my last session before Christmas, just before my wife went into labour right. with the birth of our uh, second <laughs> daughter. I remember it well. So um, we did that session and he came back after Christmas. He said, yeah, Jamie, it's been much better. It lasted um, uh, a couple of weeks. Felt really good. You know, most mobile I've been for years. He said, but then over, over Christmas, uh, I regressed. Um, I had a, an MRI scan uh, due um, at the, in, in, I think in the middle of January. And um, he had a confirmed lateral meniscus uh, tear, so that's the spongy cartilage inside the outside of your knee, which would certainly explain some of the symptoms on the outside of your knee. I said, okay, that's interesting. But with my knowledge and experience now, the findings you get on MRI scans aren't, aren't the be-all and end-all. You can have, um, you know, you might have seen this in your paramedic career, Nick, you know, you can have these findings, but it's not, as we said with our pain conversation earlier, it's not necessarily the source of, of the pain. Now this gentleman in question, I know he's going through uh, separation from his partner at the moment. Um, he was very open and very honest uh, about me and we had a really positive conversation about that as well and I gave him a few ideas as to how he can uh, deal with that and, and um, you know, relax and um, or work, or work with that really, or work around it. You don't want to work around these emotions, you want to work with them, right? Um, so he took everything on board um, that I'd said and, and I said, well, you know, and I looked at his body again, and there was a clear 
he had, uh, if you imagine, um, how can I say, Gina Valgus is one I want to say, but that's not going to mean anything for the listeners. Um, it's where your, uh, your, your thigh bone comes inwards and your shin bone goes outwards. Yeah. So if you imagine you've got a stretched force on the inside of your knee and a compressive force going through the outside of your knee. And Very said, common. Yeah, yeah, really common. But only on this one side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said to him, well, yeah, but this has been around a long time. I don't think this is new. Um, and you look at your body and says there's certainly a, a, a cause of that, you know, potentially pinching on, on the cartilage. Because particularly there wasn't any onset, there wasn't any sudden trauma. He, hadn't, he wasn't still playing rugby, he hadn't rotated it, which is, a, a, you know, the standard way of um, damaging meniscus. Um, so anyway, we've done another couple of sessions uh, subsequently and it just keeps continuing to get better and better and better. Every session we do, but this guy has a confirmed meniscal tear in the outside of his knee. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these are the, these are the things, there's huge studies where, you know, they, they took uh, thousands of people and um, uh, MRI'd their entire body. The key thing with these people is they were asymptomatic, they didn't have any symptoms. Mm-hmm. And they went through MRI and they went through and they, they put it in age groups and it was, uh, I reference this on our website a lot, it's my favourite bit of research to reference. And it's something like age groups between 25 to 30, 30 to 35, and they went all the way through up to I think 80, 85 in, in categories. And the one I remember, I think, is uh, by the time you're 75, I think something like 90% of people have a partial tear of their supraspinatus tendon. I will translate, by the way. <laughs> so the supraspinatus is a small muscle um, in, your, in your shoulder, a very, very important muscle. Um, as soon as, traditionally, you think as soon as you see that on an MRI scan, you know, you, you've got serious problems. But if you've got, you say, 90% of 75-year-olds who aren't reporting symptoms, in their, in, in their shoulder, what does that mean? And yeah. And, yeah. For, and, and for me, I think that the missing link here is the emotion. What's going on in, in that person's head, um, whether that's on a conscious level or subconscious level. Because again, in the work that we do as people do open out, we, open, we, we talk about stress levels um, first up. Just in, in our and, we, and it's very informal. Oh, how would you how would you describe your stress levels at the moment? High, low, middling. And um, oh, people say, no, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. You know, life's good. And then and if, if and, and sometimes if people say, oh, me, any reasons for your stress? If they're open to it, we start going a little bit deeper at that point. Any particular reasons for your stress? And some people will say, and some people will say, oh, you know, I'd rather not discuss. Most people do. Mm-hmm. But again, it's always important to give the people the option if they if they if they don't want to. Um, and then even the ones, um, a classic one I remember from quite a few years ago is now a guy, oh yeah, I have high stress, but I thrive on stress. I was like, yeah, okay, okay, I'll go with that. Let, let's, see, let's see where this goes. Yep. And, uh, you know, sure enough, as we start doing the, uh, the work, the physical work, I think the classic, his line was, oh, there is wasn't it, one thing that's been bothering me. You know, and that, that was through no, no prompting of my own. Sounds I familiar. I, was, I wasn't digging, I promise. I was just doing the work, the physical work. And obviously he'd become more comfortable. We'd got to know each other during the session. Um, and again, maybe the physical work as we were releasing, you know, helped him kind of open up yeah. as well. You, you, you never know for Build sure. Build that trust saying. through touch, really, Yeah, isn't I think it? there and is a lot of that. Because um, there is, we don't really touch each other much. Um, I'd say Brighton generally is more huggy than the most cities uh, <laughs> around the world. Um, I've certainly become more huggy since I moved to Brighton from Swindon. Um, <laughs> it's 
So it's interesting, all, all my Brighton uh, male friends, we all hug, and all my uh, Swindon male friends, we all firm handshake. Firm handshake. Yeah, yeah, yeah very <laughs> different. People in the States have listened to this going, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love it. Um, that's re- it's really interesting, and, and it re- relates exactly to, to the work I've been doing with the, with the, the health coaching. And it's interesting, mm. you, you, you know, you, you get, get people bringing you up, um, uh, or, or you meet up with them, whatever it might be, and you have a sort of initial consultation, and they're like, oh, no, everything's all right. Yeah. And you, in my, my mind, I'm thinking, well, why are we having a conversation? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah. kind of my very yeah. blunt, blunt yeah. mindset. But yeah. um, I was working with a guy before Christmas, actually, and... and a really, really sort of sad situation in, in a lot of regards because we, we'd worked together for probably eight months mm-hmm. and we'd made huge progress. Um, he was having some some stress related issues, mm-hmm. psychological problems, um, you know, and, and, and he's, you know, he, he wanted, you know, the classic came to me, he wanted to be fitter. Yeah, yeah. What does that mean? Okay, you've got to do the digging, you've mm-hmm. got to pull at the thread, and, and that's, and, and I actually, I'm a big believer in that environmental kind of, you know, mm-hmm. get, them in a, get them in a space where it's just him and I, get him moving, get him maybe shift him some weight moving yeah. in different ways being a bit more animalistic as well yeah and people change how they communicate and mm. the trust is built and all those those components that you mentioned um mm. and you know he he he's he doing so well came off some um medication that he was on and you know really progressing um and then he he, he sort of upped his training unbeknown to me towards the, to doing more running and bits and pieces and got more stressed at work in the lead up to christmas yeah. um and, and to, to the point where you know he, he went and saw a, 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 a physio, and and the, the the outcome of that was his. No, no, no idea what that conversation was about. But mm-hmm. I'm not pinning it on the physio at all. Actually, yeah. you know, he, he he started to get into a spiral mindset around it, and he said, "Look, I don't want to do any more uh, fitness related work because I think I'm just causing too much tension within my body." Okay. So yeah. you know, yeah. uh, in my eyes, it's that's completely uh, you know opposing yeah. to how I felt that that the work we t- we were doing yeah. was going. Actually, yeah. you know, I think we, we we were making really real progress in, in getting him healthier holistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And you know, and, and improving his mindset and and, and actually de-stressing and, and, and releasing tension through through the sessions. But you know, it's funny how people think you know that these. And you, you get that even in clinical practice, you must see that. You, you get people, you know, that have given... Firstly, you get a patient that wants a very specific diagnosis. Yes. I want to know what this problem on my knee is. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. all I want to know. Yeah. And then, the, you know, I've seen it so many times, consultant-led practices or whatever it might be, um, the, the doctor relationship and the doctor wants to appease that person or validate their own... Mm standing status whatever it might be yeah, but yeah. um and they'll, and they'll say yeah it's, it's this exact thing and you need to take this exact pill yeah and, yeah. and that's um uh, you know that's sort of poison to my ears in, in, in the way <laughs> that i now I'm, think I'm about this, you, the world yeah. the body and the world we live in and, yeah. and how we interact with with our environment and mm. you know segregating stuff up and i think there's there's a lot of gaps in in healthcare that that reinforce that and the whole yeah. that whole doctor patient relationship yeah it doesn't help i don't think it's helpful i think the, the patient uh, definition of patient uh, is interesting because i had a, a doctor ring up um, regarding this thing and um he wasn't very nice um and uh, i think it was my wife that uh, took because she was answering the phones for the for the clinics at the time uh, before we had the children and um we just regard it, we always call our clients because it, it's, it's a two-way relationship. But the definition of patient is something, someone that you do something to. Right. 
Interesting. And, yeah. and the very definition there, I, I have issue with. Yeah. I completely understand and respect why in medical practice that has been the case. But I think it, because he, he insisted that we call the person patient. And my wife's quite feisty, so you wouldn't ask. <laughs> um, and she said, no, no, we, we call them clients. Yeah. You know, because it's private practice and, and yeah. absolutely. But is, is, is that, is that um, a relationship, isn't it? It's that journey. And, and again, from your guy you were talking about, those kinds of things are so frustrating because you knew or you could see based on your experience what potential this guy had. Yep. And you probably had quite a clear idea in your head of where you hoped or a good strong opinion of where you could get this guy to. Mm -hmm. yep. And then external factors from what you were doing have come in yep. and just scuppered that. Yeah, basically. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, and I've, I've, yeah, and, and, and though, I've, you know, I've got, probably got 10 examples like that yeah, where, yeah. where those sort of junctures have happened and, yeah. and we, we've, you know, parted ways in, in, in a coaching relationship has, has ended yeah. effectively yeah. Um, or, or not begun actually because mm. I, I have people, you know, say, oh, I really want to do it, blah, 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 I want to start on this date yeah. and then I'll, I'll get the, the, the inevitable text or email saying, oh, I'm, I'm unwell, uh, you know, I've had to go and see the doctor and, and I don't want to yeah. do any fitness, quote, mm. unquote, fitness stuff yeah. because, you know, I don't want to... You know, I don't think I'm ready for it. And, mm. and you know, in certain circumstances, that might be absolutely valid. Mm. But I think a lot of circumstances, it's, it's not necessarily that valid. And, and it's I mean, kind of movement is, is the key uh, yeah. to everything. I mean, I was uh, actually com coming full circle, actually finishing my story. So like, I'm a complete finish. So um, <laughs> the one thing I've just been um, researching more recently is the anatomy train stuff, which is kind of looking at how, uh, as I explained to you before we went on air, Nick was the um, you know, your, the top of your eyebrow is con continuous with the bo bottom of your foot um, in, in muscular and, and fascial terms. Mm. So the anatomy trains guys, um, they, they're a big believer. So uh, for the people who don't know what fascia is, I know a lot of people do these days, but anyone listening who doesn't, um, effectively you have a layer of skin, uh, you have a layer of fat, you have a layer of fascia, connective tissue, and then you have a layer of muscle. And the um, fascia um, is very structural. It kind of gives us our um, biotensegrity. There you go. <laughs> there, there, there you go, people. Um, so tensegrity is a, is a, is a term um, stolen from engineering, uh, which is how things are constructed and, and how they maintain their strength. So biotensegrity, bio meaning human. So it's how the structure of the human is maintained, basically. And that's thought to be through the fascia. So... Um, and the anatomy trains guys, and I'm, I'm a big advocate of their work and, and following, you know, that's my latest uh, voyage of uh, discovery. Um, even though I've been following their work for nine years, I'm just using their methodology a little bit more strictly these days. Um, is that the, the fascia contains a lot of that stress and a lot of that trauma uh, within the system. Um, I think the, the fascia work is amazing from a, a, a structural uh, point of view. Um, whereas maybe something like sports massage or muscle activation, which is the Douglas Hill stuff I mentioned, is better for just, just a, kind of a, a pure pain uh, kind of thing. But again, going back to the gentleman I spoke about with his knee was a, a funny angle. You know, you can see how that worked to structurally realign someone to actually line them up on an area where we know it's, we've got it confirmed on MRI where the, where the cartilage is you know, compromised in some way. But if you can do it to the point where you know, you line him back up and he's still got that compromised cartilage, but actually, you know, you're taking the load off it, then you're going to see an improvement yeah, uh, on that. And the nice thing with the fascia work, I think, is the it seems to be long term as well, um, mm. which is 
Yeah, you're developing the body, aren't you? You're not just, yeah. it's not a sort of silver bullet approach, which, which never works, you know? No, you know, we, we, we get the odd session where, and I think this comes back to, to movement, is that sometimes we, uh, we change movement patterns, that's our thing, and I guess that's one of our things that we look to do rather than treating the symptom. And sometimes you just release someone and they get up and they come off the couch and they feel a million dollars and they just get it. They go out and just go, wow, that's completely changed my world. You know what I mean? If, if they say they, they were concerned that, say, take another knee, for example, they an arthritic knee, they'd had some mild form of arthritis um, diagnosed and they feared that that was the source of their pain. If in my, in my treatment somehow I've managed to uh, change how that pain feels by potentially you know, working their tummy, working their head, their neck, um, working their quadriceps doesn't really matter. Whatever, whatever we've achieved, that they come up and they feel like they can move better. I've actually changed their movement pattern there and then, and potentially they don't need any further work. Mm -hmm. um, I did that with one friend's mother actually. <laughs> um, uh, she thinks I'm a genius, but um, yeah, miracle work. Yeah, it, you know it does happen, but it, it had, that person has to. You can take the person to the door, and and they and they've they've got to walk through it. So, but again, before we get inundated with phone calls for treatments, um, you know, <laughs> they they are the exceptions rather than than the rules, you know. And um, but I mean, if you're in the right place for it, that is absolutely possible. And I'm sure you've seen seen the, the case with your guys when, you know, people who you know maybe some obese clients or. Uh, maybe some people who've just been stuck at their desk for years and years as soon as you get them to start moving amazing things happen yeah and coming back to the anatomy trains um th those reason i was started talking about this in the first place was um we were talking about um the human body is actually designed to walk rather than run which is an interesting thing you know if you think uh, we were kind of scavengers and 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 plane dwellers uh in our, in our early years a few thousand years ago and um, we, we could rarely, you know, even to this day, we could rarely outrun our prey. So the idea was that we spook the prey and we say, oh yeah, they went that way, and we follow them because yeah. we can sweat yeah. and we have opposable thumbs. So we have that ability, whereas most animals can't sweat. So they, they, they're much quicker than we are, but we can always last longer. Mm -hmm. So you spook them again, they run off, and you walk after them. And, and so our whole body is, is actually designed to walk. Um, and walking is, um, and this will coming to your stuff again, Mick. Walking is um, super important for the health of our internal organs. So um, there's a, a special bag on the hip flexor we were talking about previously, psoas, where the kidney is actually intrinsically attached to the psoas. So every time you, you draw your leg forwards to walk, you're effectively giving your kidney a massage. And that pumps uh, you know, the, the toxins out of the kidney, flushes things back in, helps with blood flow, obviously. But it, it's in our nature to to move, to move, uh, to yeah. move and walk, and, and, and when uh, health degrades, it's usually due to uh, do a lack of movement. Yeah, and and you see that so quickly in, in sort of pre-hospital care. You know, people are uh, sort of bed bound, and then the health declines incredibly rapidly. Yeah, yeah. If that makes actual. Yeah, another really nice concept in, in a similar vein is I. I thought of our um, as a definition of our therapy work as um, spaceologists. Right. So there's a school of thought that says that any, any human disease is, is a loss of space, a loss of structure. So uh, say, for example, if I, um, for the listeners, I'm, okay, if I collapse down to my right side, you know, that's putting more pressure through my, um, through my, my uh, right kidney, mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. Over time, over months, years, what, what does that do to the function of my kidney? Probably not great. We no. don't know. 
but it's, it's some a really... sort of restriction in blood flow, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, yeah, even nutrition, on a small nutrition. level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, again, some of the more, there's some lovely stuff out there by some of the more alternative uh, guys. Uh, a guy called Bruce Lipton, the Biology of Belief, is his uh, seminar work. Um, really, really uh, interesting stuff, and he's basically saying that what our, what our beliefs are are um, change our physiology. Um, and there's some amazing research done with um, cancer um, uh, patients who, uh, I, I can't name the studies, but basically people who uh, have their chemotherapy, if they visualize their chemotherapy as like, almost like a Pac-Man munching away at their cancer cells, mm-hmm. then they fare better than the people who don't do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer in that. I really am in, in, in the sort of power of the mind and... Mm. Um, it, you know, I think it, it's very easy to, to discount it as, mm. as you know as not hard science, and yeah. I think that's we're caught in a bit of a bit of a kind of dichotomy at the moment around that, and, and you know what do we what do we believe, what don't we? Yeah, I uh, think there's better stuff coming out all the time. Um, I think as you know, two guys who've seen what we've seen and believe what we believe, we have to be really careful of. Um, <laughs> we're always a good friend of mine, a psychiatric nurse, says we. We're always looking for evidence that support what we already believe. Yeah, so it's that's that how the brain of, works. Yeah, but. kind of confirmation bias. Mm. Um, which, but then equally, if we didn't do that, we wouldn't do any research. <laughs> you know. So, it, but it's trying to challenge yourself. I think. Um, when I'm like in blog writing many blog posts, I try and I find the, the pieces that I want to emphasise the point that I want to make. Um, back that up with some research, but then I'll try and research or search for, uh, uh, you know. From the other side, um, yeah. uh, research to um, uh, you know uh, dispel you know what my beliefs are, just to challenge myself as well. Yeah, I think it's, it's a healthy balance of both, isn't it? And mm. and, and you're right. We do you know um, yeah. There, there is obviously a massive cognitive bias, and that's mm. that's well documented. Mm. Um, Matthew Syed talks about it a lot in, in in his sort of recent work, Black Box Thinking, and and, mm. and sort of. And I've read some work by Nassim Taleb. Who, again, it's all about sort of this, this cognitive bias and cognitive dissidence. But mm. um, but I don't think you can discount the kind of the, the, the mindset approach and, and the, mm. the, the the belief system and, and, the, and the research that's been done around that space. And it, yeah, yeah. you know, it's it, it's intrinsic to, to Eastern medicine, and yeah. that's why yeah. I think there's huge value in it because yeah. you know and I was going to mention before you were saying about the, the we well we were talking about the, the doctor patient relationship mm-hmm. and how, how I believe that's very broken yeah. um, in, this, yeah. in this western culture that we've got mm. um, and you know you go back to the tribal um, eastern cultures mm. and they, they you, you got paid as the medicine man mm-hmm. when people were well <laughs> you didn't get compensated when people were unwell yeah yeah, and you think you juxtapose that with what's going on in our current healthcare system, big pharma, you know, and it's yeah. just it, yeah, it, it, there's some classic, obvious, obvious kind of. Yeah, and I think the whole uh, you know the the whole NHS thing at the moment is um, you know everyone's I know if we've got any NHS employees um, working, we see a lot of NHS employees with us completely burnt out in every possible way, and they're all trying to do their best, but I think the. The, the, the challenge there is is the what what it's become in the UK is um, and this is not for everyone I don't mean this right but we all need to take accountability for our health and um, and look at that holistic you know what are we doing what are we doing with our stress levels what are we doing with our nutrition um, you know what are we doing with our physicality 
Um, you know, are, are we do all doing the right things? And if we are doing the right things, and we still have uh, a medical condition, absolutely, um, the the NHS is there to catch those genetic. Uh, you know, you know, I'm, I'm diabetic myself, so I, I've got I've got one of those myself. Uh, got you know, got been there, got the t-shirt kind of thing. <laughs> so, um, so you know, there's a genetic predisposition to that. Actually, it was a very stressful time in my life when it came on. So, you know, even though I had the genetic marker, I got to the age of 33 without it being triggered, and that ah, stressful event, wow. I suspect, triggered it. So, yeah. you know, there's massive overlap between all of those things. But I think accountability is, is key. And uh, I think, you know, you know, myself included, you can always be doing more. Um, and you don't want to get too puritanical or too perfectionist about this, you know. Um, but I think the more, we, the more people we can reach and the more people educate um, to... Um, look after themselves, but not only look after themselves, but understand the reason, you know, rather than just telling them, look after yourself, is understanding the reasons and what, what benefits that might have. You know, the obvious one from a, you know, eat better because you don't want to get fat, that has health implications, but I don't think that's fully understood what, how far reaching those health implications are. Uh, same with stress levels, you know, uh, as we said, you know, I think um, stress levels, you know, uh, it's huge link with, with cancer and things like that, you know, there's... Yeah. Um, Theories abound again on the on the kind of the Bruce Lipton um, scale of things, where if your stress levels um, increase, we stay in our fight or flight. We don't take in that oxygen enough. That drops the pH of our blood. Um, certainly below a certain level of pH in our blood, that changes our immune function, um, and that's that immune function is the immune function that normally will gobble up those cancer cells because. Uh, you know, cell mutation is a normal part of living. Mm -hmm. It's only when your body loses the ability to gobble up those cell mutations that you know that, that then cancers develop. And again, I'm not talking about the rare strains where you know the very aggressive types, uh, or maybe I'm. I don't know. I've, I've reached the end of my knowledge at that point. But it's it's fascinating to have that that discussion. And, yeah, uh, and, and I, I, I th I, my, my belief um, from from my experience, first-hand experience only, um, yeah. and and the science I read as well. But, but mainly from my first-hand experience is, is stress is the biggest killer. Yeah, no, no two ways about yeah, it. Yeah, and, yeah. and I've heard time and time again in clinical practice, um, patients are, oh, it's not a heart attack. Then it's just stress. Yeah, and you know my response <laughs> is. <laughs> Stress is the biggest killer. Yeah, you need yeah. to sort this out. Okay, yeah, you might yeah. not need A and E this minute, mm -hmm. um, but you need to sort your life out. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it, you know, next mm. time. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you know. I think um, you know. We live in a busy world, and um, there are a lot of external pressures uh, on us. Um, coming back to Alexander, uh, our good friend, um, for part of his work, it, it's all a choice. Mm. Yeah, it is. I, w I want to spend the last couple of minutes. I'm just cognizant of time. Yeah, yeah. I want to spend the last couple of minutes, kind of going in a few sort of um, general tools and tactics, um, yeah, and, sure. and some sort of more quick fire questions as yeah, well. No um, we, we've covered so much, and, and it's great, it's really fantastic to dive into your knowledge and your expertise, and then kind of unpick kind of where you're going in your thought process. For me, it's fascinating. I love it, and I certainly hope we can we can pick this up again. Yeah, sure. Uh, round two, but um, so I think so. It, from your experience, where, where do you see the classic manifestations of stress? Um, so that would be within the stomach, uh, I would say. So uh, the hip flexors, uh, the main hip flexors, um, psoas, uh, run right next to the spine. Um, if imagine, I'm 
doing a radio thing again. <laughs> uh, my hands are going either side of my uh, belly button here, so uh, kind of a couple of inches below, and then they run kind of down, and then onto the femur, which is how it affects the uh, hip flexion, so lifting your leg up. Um, that's continuous with diaphragm, and um, that's the areas where we see the most emotional kind of... Um, breakdown I guess in people and also the, the most uh, dramatic improvement improvement in function so you know we regularly see improvements in people's neck range of movement by re releasing off the tummy we regularly see improvements in their knee condition in their plantar fascia in their foot um, uh, by releasing off their tummy it's not the, be the answer to absolutely everything it's a really good place to start what does it manifest there do you think I think, um, as we were just uh, talking earlier, I think it's, uh, there's some lovely stuff where um, every, and computers can now read our emotions, um, because every uh, emotion has a physical, you know, a, I think this was on a facial perspective, has a facial uh, impression, and, and computers, when they go down to a detail, can read what that emotion is, if they're told, you know, yep. given some experience. Um, and I think it's the same uh, posturally. Every um, emotion has a postural representation um, and that's different from person to person but um, you know when I meet people the first for the first time I can as soon as I go out into the into reception I've got an idea of how that session is going to go and which way it needs to go um, just by reading the person's body language um, you know when you've when, you, when you've treated about 3,000 people over 16 <laughs> years, yeah. um, you know, y y you do it instinctively without yeah. even, even thinking about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, y you can, <laughs> going to freak, freak the listeners out, but you can kind of read people's minds by just looking at how they hold themselves. Of course, yeah. And then that's been, been researched as well, mm -hmm. hasn't it? But it's interesting you say about the stomach because we always, we've always got that analogy that we, use, we feel it in the gut, don't yeah, you? Yeah, gut feel, that's a good gut thing. Feel, um, yeah. I think, um, but it's equally, you know... Um, <laughs> You can it on your evolution side thing, but you know we made a big mistake standing up, <laughs> uh, you know, just to expose all our internal mm -hmm. organs. But again, when we feel vulnerable, that we want to we want to close close that off, and we want to protect that from the outside world. So, the, you know, there's a physical and emotional overlap as we've been talking about for the you know the whole of the last hour or so. Mm -hmm. So, and um, very very difficult to do. But if you were going to generalise um, some things that the general public should be doing. Yeah. Um, to, to, to help them be healthier and, and, mm. and not, not allow that stress to manifest? How, what, what would you pick as your kind of one or two? Okay, yeah. Um, firstly, I'd say, um, you know, come back to Isaiah, how we met uh, personal development. I think that's key. Um, we've all got stuff. Um, everything that's gone before has made us who we are. And unless there's any uh, listeners out there who's had the perfect life, uh, then I suggest we all look to understand ourselves better. Uh, I think that's really important, whether that's from an emotional or, or a physical perspective. Um, I think for me, emotion and, and emotion and, and physical, you can emerge and blend into one because they are the same thing. Um, uh, from a, a specific thing, um, we're big believers in um, relaxation breathing mm -hmm. as a uh, really nice way in to um, effectively to simplify the discussion we've been having uh, today. Uh, the more stressed you are, the more pain you feel. Um, again, we've gone into quite a bit of detail. I could go into more detail, but you know, if we lose everyone, we've, <laughs> we've still got. Yep. So um, it's as simple as that. We look at stress as a volume button on, on people's pain. Uh, it's a really nice, simple analogy. Yep. So if you can do the, the work um, to reduce your stress, or some simple breathing relaxation exercises, but diaphragmatic breathing, um, I think is, is, is the simplest thing people can be doing 
to, to bring those levels down. Uh, in extreme cases, people are so stuck in their fight or flight that they find bre relaxation breathing terrifying. Um, I would say there's probably about one in 50 people mm -hmm. that come through our doors. But just in case there's a listener who yeah. who is is that you know if you don't feel comfortable with your breathing that's okay, um, but again you, it's something you I would you know recommend you you work up to gradually. Most of us can lie down. It's about a case of um, getting into that diaphragm to do the relaxation breathing rather than being stuck in our rib breathing, which is that fight or flight uh, response and uh, increased stress uh, levels. Good advice, and I think it echoes echoes everything that I've I've, I've been saying on my yeah. sort of Lovely. my, my side of things as Good well. Yeah, and just to finish off with, then um, you know, I, I ask all my all my guests um, mm -hmm. the same question if I remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today I have so uh, uh, you know, what what does health mean to you? What's your definition of health? I think. Um, word that just immediately sprung to my mind and we'll go with gut feel so that's what we were talking about <laughs> uh, just a second ago was accountability taking account of your, of your own health whether that's physical emotional mental whatever whatever brand you want to want to put on it take account for your own health because you can always do something yeah I, some of the most beautiful work i've done um has been with people well into their 80s um the, the changes you can see um, uh, and, and when you've seen people you know octogenarians kind of I wouldn't say they, they leap out off the couch or they you know sprint yeah, I've got you know you've got octogenarians to ditch their, their, their walking stick things like that um, but when they're open to it when, 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 when their desire is still there to, to change something you know if the um, if you don't some, like something about your life there's only one person who can change that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's you. And there's a very gruff Australian uh, physio that I follow some of his work. He described more of a marketing kind of thing. Uh, he describes it as the fish stinks from the head down. <laughs> An apt point to pause and <laughs> reflect at the end of our at the end of our finishing. Yeah, sentence. absolutely brilliant. Um, Jamie, I just wanted to thank you very much for coming no, on the pleasure. show. Where can people find out about you and, and, and a bit more and get in contact? Yeah, sure. Um, probably the best bet is our website uh, here in Brighton, uh, brightonsportstherapy.co.uk. Uh, similar one in Swindon, swindonsportstherapy.co.uk. Uh, loads of information. Uh, we try and change the world with everything that we've got on our, on our website as well. So obviously it's primarily it's a vehicle for our people to find us from yep. a marketing perspective. Um, but if people uh, are listening in the States or anywhere else in the world who aren't are nowhere near Swindon or Brighton, um, please check out our blog. There's loads of stuff on breathing, on anxiety, the physical ramifications of anxiety, um, some more technical pieces uh, about a whole host of physical conditions. So just in you know, trying to improve the world, um, go for your life, enjoy it. Awesome. Uh, I've put a lot of effort into it. Excellent. And um, yeah, let, let's try and book in a second conversation to dive yeah. a bit deeper in, in some of these and, and develop... Uh, what we've been talking about as well that'd be fantastic awesome no, thank you very it. much Jamie no pleasure Nick.
how was that for you guys i really hope you enjoyed that episode and i hope that every week you are tuning in and, and starting to understand a little bit more about your journey um, in well-being and health and, and, and what health means to you because it is different for all of us uh, and i think this episode highlights that it highlights kind of how, how how things manifest differently in different people and injuries and stresses and all that sort of um, all that sort of stuff so um once again it's a real prev- privilege to kind of be tuning into your ears and, and bring bringing you this content and and these messages and, and my messages and, and the, the guys that I bring on their messages as well which which you know 100 percent of the time is, is coherent and, and uh, aligned with with what i want to put out in the world and the messages and, and the, the movements that i think are absolutely vital to have, help shift the needle um because there are, there are massive problems within um, the healthcare system doesn't matter if you're in the states you're in australia or, or here in the uk we, we're all facing huge challenges um and we need more of this stuff we need more more people kind of understanding what's what needs to happen um generally and specifically as well with the expertise uh, like jamie um and like yourself as being active participant in your own health and own well-being and, and changing that trajectory that's what i'm all about um guys if, if you if you want to engage with me or, or, or you're interested in some coaching and you, you need some help with some challenges you, you are facing uh, you can find me on facebook you can find me on instagram it's at the knock that's t-h-e-n-o-q um also you can comment and fe- give me feedback on the episode in those places um you can also check me out at elementalhealth.co um, that's my website if you want to talk more about coaching um guys i will be back very very soon with another episode it's been a pleasure um subscribe like but most importantly share it with someone you think would find value from this episode cheers take care